you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And on today's show, we got a preview of this Florida Gators game. I did a deep dive, watched every snap from Florida's latest game, which was in fact a three-point loss, 41-38, in College Station to the Texas A&M Aggies. And boy, that was actually a fun rewatch. I didn't realize (laughs) when I went into this that that was going on at the same time as the Missouri LSU game. So occasionally you'd get to... Hey, breaking back to Columbia, LSU looking good against Missouri. You know, that kind of thing. I had a nice hearty guffaw at the LSU Tigers' expense there for sure. But of course, we got to talk about what to expect from the Florida offense and defense and also how Missouri could possibly expose some flaws in Gator quarterback Kyle Trask's game. But first, I do want to remind you that this show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now, one thing I noticed is Florida ran a flea flicker on their very first play from scrimmage. And by God, is the flea flicker just coming back in a serious way? Or are Dan Mullen and Eli Drinkwitz just kindred spirits? I'm not really sure. I just haven't seen this many flea flickers in a long, long time. Maybe ever. Just a quick observation there. But you know what really stands out about Florida is obviously their two biggest playmakers on offense. We've touched on Kyle Pitts a little bit, the tight end, number 84. Man, that guy is just an absolute beast in the red zone. We actually watch him play to the point where the young fella already has seven touchdowns in three games. Yes, that's more than two a game for an average. Not too shabby. And frankly, just his size alone makes me believe that, well, obviously Josh Bledsoe, if indeed, as I suspect, if they go man-to-man, especially around the red zone, well, Bledsoe's probably going to pick him up, but... That makes me think that, frankly, man-to-man may not be the way to go against this particular player. Generally, I'm I'm big. I'm not big on the the goal line fade, and you know it seems like the conventional wisdom has finally come around to to that after years and years of me hating the goal line fade. But you know what, Kyle Pitts may be the exception. He is just so physically imposing and dominant that maybe if I get one-on-one coverage, I may just throw it up to him every time if I'm near the goal line. That's just me. So with that in mind, I'm not really sure what you do defensively if you're Ryan Walters because for the most part, as we've said before, I think we've seen a lot of aggressive defense, a lot of aggressive man-to-man defense from this team, one safety deep often in a cover-one style defense But, of course, Pitts is not the only person to contend with on this Florida offense. You've also got senior receiver Kendarius Toney, and he's not nearly as big or imposing as Kyle Pitts at about six feet tall, but, my goodness, he is an explosive weapon on the outside for Florida. And, 
you know, when you look at, again, he's a senior, but didn't have a ton of stats heading into this season. I wonder, I think he may be a converted running back or something, but either way, it seems like receiver really suits his skill set because he's not just a gadget player either. He can go out there and get the football too. We saw that down in College Station. And on top of that, Florida has a really effective running game too, and they've got three running backs. They'll rotate in and out of the game. And, and quite frankly, if there's a third thing that I'm really worried about on top of their tight end, Kyle Pitts, receiver, Kadarius Toney, it's them throwing the ball out of the backfield. Malik Davis just time and time again was getting big plays on just easy dump-offs out of the backfield. A&M just having a, a hard time getting it out in the flats. Those guys have a lot of speed, and that's something that Dan Mullen seemed to want to take advantage of repeatedly, including one time in the red zone. I thought the Gators had a nice play where they had three receivers to one side, and at first, again, Davis, the running back, was also lined up to the left side of Trask, the quarterback, in the shotgun but just before the snap, the running back, Davis, quickly motioned over to the other side, and then immediately the ball is snapped, made it hard for the linebacker again to make it into the flat to the right. Watch that play if you're Mizzou around the goal line. If they ever have three receivers to one side, the running back to that same side, watch for him going in motion the opposite way because they might throw it to him and you might get outflanked. Truly, Florida has what got to be one of the best offenses in the entire country, frankly, including teams like Alabama. They're really, really impressive. But I do think there's one serious weakness that Florida has, and Missouri really has a chance to take advantage of that. And I'll tell you about that right after the break. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Coors Brewing Company, in Golden, Colorado. Yes, that's right. It's Thursday afternoon. It's almost time to get into chill mode. So you know what time it is. It's time to reach for that cold mountain refreshment. That's Coors Light. So whether you're celebrating, completing your podcast for the day, closing that big deal, having a new baby, whatever it might be, well, you should always celebrate responsibly with Coors Light. Frankly, as tasty as Coors Light is, I even love just the sound of cracking open a bottle or a can. I'm like Pavlov's dog, and my, my tongue just starts watering. I, I can't help myself. And that's why Coors Light is the perfect, refreshing beer for chilling and unwinding at the end of your day. So be sure to go to get.coorslight.com now to get the new look delivered straight to your door. Again, that's get.coorslight.com to celebrate responsibly with Coors Light. And of course, you'll have far more money to purchase your Coors Light delivered straight to your door when you go to rockauto.com. Because at rockauto.com, they can save you as much as 30, 50, even 100% on the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership. Why would you spend that kind of money at a dealership when you can just have the same exact parts delivered directly to your door? And even better, of course, it's online. So you can browse 
easily look for whatever you want at your own pace, your own convenience. You're not being hassled by any pushy guys behind the counter or anything like that. Nope, it's all a great experience. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts you could possibly imagine for your vehicle and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Florida quarterback Kyle Trask has certainly put up a lot of numbers so far this year. And if you do a little bit of box score analysis from the Texas A&M game, you might think he was amazing in that game. He was 23 of 32, 312 yards, four touchdowns, and even more importantly, no interceptions. But I'm starting to think your standard box score needs to add another category to quarterback play, which is balls that could have been intercepted, possibly should have been intercepted, near interceptions, maybe just passes defended. Because early in that ball game, Kyle Trask unnecessarily threw into, into double coverage downfield and was frankly fortunate to not have the ball intercepted. Then later in the half, in the first half, Trask throws an insanely long throw all the way across the field. I mean, I'm talking 25 yards he throws this ball across field to what would have gained 5 or 10 yards in the red zone to Kyle Pitts. Now, that was just a completely insane decision. Now, don't get me wrong, it was designed to be a throwback play to Pitts, It was designed that way. He threw it to what was supposed to be, I guess, the primary receiver. But when you watch it back, Pitts completely ignores the running back who comes wide open right in front of him. Just take the check down. He probably gets a first down. He might even score. So that was a crazy decision. And and by the way, I'd actually question the play design from Dan Mullen there too. To me, anytime the tight end throwback is an awesome play. Don't get me wrong. It's very effective. But when you throw it to Kyle Pitts, it sort of loses the element of surprise, doesn't it? Is the defense going to ever just completely forget about him? Probably not. But surely, by this point, by the second half, Kyle Pitts has had a good talking to at halftime from Dan Mullen. And surely he's gotten these throws into multiple defenders out of his system but no you would be wrong because up 21 to 17 with the ball Trask has plenty of time in the pocket on a play action pass but he throws it into not double coverage but triple coverage and indeed the ball is actually intercepted at this time it is intercepted on this occasion but guess what Trask and the Gators are bailed out by a hands-to-the-face penalty by an Aggie defensive lineman. So, again, that was a, it wasn't a bad call or anything like that. The refs made the, the correct, the correct call, in my opinion, on that play. But you can't give Kyle Trask a pass for that decision. He has no idea that that's a free play or anything like that. So just, just an insane moment there by Kyle Trask among about two or three of them in this game. So my point is in laying all of this out that Missouri does have a chance to intercept the ball from Kyle Trask. He's going to give you some chances. In fact, he wants to give you some chances. He's an aggressive type player, apparently. 
So on top of the fact that you've got multiple guys that are huge playmakers for Florida and a quarterback that is willing to throw the ball up in the air, especially if he's a little bit confused by coverage, I think Missouri, if I were Ryan Walters, and God knows he's not asking for my opinion, but if it were me, from my vantage point, I think Missouri's got to change up coverages some. I think they've got to play a little bit more zone just to try to force some confusion by Trask because I think as good as Florida is offensively, I think it's going to be really hard for Missouri to get off the field. Now, I know Missouri did a great job against Kentucky defensively, especially on the ground game, but I just think that that was a one-dimensional team, and I just don't think that that kind of game plan is going to work against Florida. And again, against LSU, Missouri was able to stop the run with a a mostly aggressive man-to-man, what I could tell, single high safety style defense, but Miles Brennan also threw for 400 yards, and and Terrence Marshall, a big receiver for them, also had his way. So I just think maybe change up coverages a little bit, but, but again, that's just my opinion. He knows his defense more than I do, obviously. But as far as the other side of the ball goes, again, it was, it was interesting to see good cop Eli Drinkwitz come out and sort of praise the Florida defense and say, oh, you know, against Ole Miss, that wasn't that bad. That was just a couple, couple garbage touchdowns, yada, yada, yada. Well, I'll just speak to the A&M game and say that Florida was up 11 points in this game. They were doing basically whatever they wanted offensively. So it seemed like if Florida just could have played any kind of defense, they should have won. But guess what? Down 28 to 17, A&M basically just grinded the hell out of the ball. They just ran it down Florida's throats. And it wasn't as though Kellen Mond, who's definitely had his up and down moments, also threw for 338 yards three touchdowns, no picks. And to me, he didn't even look that great doing so. It just wasn't that difficult for him or the Aggies to move the football. Now, I've seen some people on the Mizzou beat say, listen, I know the Florida defense hasn't looked great statistically so far, but, you know, they got a bunch of of four or five-star guys. You got to think that talent will win out eventually. And my th- whole thought on, the, on the, the, the grand star debate that goes on the internet constantly is, yes, in the aggregate, over time, of course, the programs that have the higher-ranked guys on Rivals.com are going to be more successful than the ones that do not. But you know what? If you got a bunch of guys out there who are four-star players, but they're playing like three-star players or two-star players... I tend to believe that in the moment a lot more than I'm going to believe that, oh, well, eventually they'll figure it out. I don't think that's really a thing that happens, especially collectively very much. Certainly individuals are going to develop and change, but as a unit, you're just going to pray for that to be a result. I'd say good luck. And I think there's a lot of ways that Missouri can exploit this Florida defense. And I'm going to explain those after this quick break. First of all, on that Florida defense, a potential positive for them, Kyrie Campbell, a defensive tackle, what most seem to believe on the Florida beat is their best defensive tackle, probably back this week it looks like, if you judge his Twitter feed anyway, but 
he missed the first three games of the season for the Gators, not because of injury, but because of mysterious reasons, quite honestly. So one would think he'd be ready to go if he's stayed in shape and all that good stuff, at least enough to play, I don't know, 30, 30 snaps or something. So there's somebody to keep an eye on. Another guy I think to keep an eye on at Florida is number six, Sean Davis, their free safety. Now, that guy seems like he's a, a little bit, maybe even a lot, prone to, to jumping routes and getting beat deep. And also committing some unnecessary penalties, too, quite honestly. You know, there was one play in particular where Florida was playing two safeties deep, but both guys aggressively attacked the line of scrimmage on a play-action pass and gave up a big gain over the top. So, again, look to see if Missouri tries to exploit Sean Davis, again, the guy with really long hair. You'll notice him at the back of Florida's defense. But basically, I think Missouri should run the heck out of the football again. Hey, Larry Roundtree, get ready to saddle up again, partner, because you're going to be getting that rock. Isaiah Spiller for A&M, 27 carries for 174 yards. I mean, they truly dominated Florida on the ground. There was nothing they could really do about it. So I don't see any reason why Missouri shouldn't be able to run the football again. Now, do they have to run as extreme to the extreme amount that they did against Kentucky? Well, probably not. And frankly, again, Florida can be exploited in the passing game too, especially on play fakes. And, you know, just it seems like the amount of blitzes that, core, that that Florida runs from the outside too, especially from that slot cornerback position, is really almost predictable. Now, that's a great – to me, the slot corner blitz, especially on a blind side, is a great surprise defensive call that can get you a good negative play and possibly get you off the field at times. But Florida just seems to do it over and over again to the point where it's quite the opposite of surprising and almost a detriment, in my opinion, at least what I saw again down in College Station. And also those corner blitzes aren't just effective sometimes on passing plays. They're almost even more effective, in my opinion, against running plays, especially the sort of triple option type stuff that Missouri will run on occasion this year. And, and frankly, I'm not even sure that that stuff is necessary against Florida. I would just, I might just shelve all of the speed option, triple option type stuff. Just run it right down their throats with Roundtree. Run your inside zone, your outside zone. You know, the occasional jet sweep to Jalen Knox. Keep him on the in on the action at least to to hold again those overly aggressive Florida safeties. That I'm all about, but. Be really careful about trying to run some kind of speed option to the outside, especially to the side of where that slot corner is, because they're coming with pressure a lot out of that. I definitely expect Eli to have some screen passes prepared to that part of the field for, for crucial downs, that type of deal. But again, as you can tell, I'm expecting a high-scoring game here. I think it's going to be really hard for Missouri to slow Florida down, and I think it's going to be really hard for them to slow us down too because, again, Eli Drinkwitz can come up with a game plan and Connor Bazelak can go out and execute it. And by golly, find me a better running back duo than Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty right now, especially a a pair of guys that are as complimentary as they are. 
You got, you know, the thunder and lightning thing is, is so, is so cliche at this point. But if, if it's ever going to apply to anybody, it's probably them. I sure as heck don't want to cover Tyler Beatty out of the backfield on that angle route. Cause you know what? He puts one foot in the ground and goes the other way. And suddenly it's a wheel route and you're looking really, really stupid. So good luck to all you linebackers out there in the SEC on that. So how about that? An entire show about Florida Gator football. And I didn't even mention COVID-19 one time. Oh, dang it. I just mentioned it. Oh, well. Well, we got to the end. What the heck? So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Thank you.